2: That's right, chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No process, by law. Eighteen plus and conditions
0: apply. See website for details.
1: Coming up next is a nearly one hour podcast with Ultra Marathon star Jim Walmsley before his much anticipated marathon debut at the Olympic Marathon Trials in Atlanta on February 29th. This podcast is sponsored by Hoka One One. 17 HOKA athletes are taking on the marathon trials, from the Dreamers, to the Mountain Men, to the Contenders. Let'srun.com will be profiling them all, and Jim, hey, he fits all three categories. Check out the show notes to see all the HOKA, Let'srun.com taking on the marathon trials coverage. All right, here it is, Jim Walmsley.
2: Welcome to a special edition of the Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast. Normally each week, the staff of Let's Run.com breaks down the last week's action and running. But a few times a month, we normally do long-form interviews with special guests. And this week's featured guest is ultra running star Jim Walmsley, the man, the myth, the legend. If you don't know who Jim Walmsley is, you must have been hiding under a rock. As Just this week, he's received three national features, one in Sports Illustrated, one in Runner's World. And this Sunday, he'll be featured on the cover of the Sunday New York Times Magazine. But let me share a brief bio. Jim is the reigning four-time ultra runner of the year, according to Ultra Running Magazine. He's the 50-mile world record holder. He's the holder of the fastest known time from the Grand Canyon from rim to rim. He's the two-time Western States champion and course record setter both times. And just last November 17th, he was crowned the world mountain champion. champion. Later on this month, on February 29th, Jim will be making his much-anticipated marathon debut at the 2020 U.S. Olympic Trials in Atlanta where a top three finish would earn him a, an Olympic spot. And that's why he's been getting lots of buzz recently. Jim, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. That's uh, quite the introduction. But uh, yeah, humbled and uh, happy to be here.
2: Well, you got quite a resume. I, it took me a while to type that up, actually. But uh, I forgot to introduce myself. This is Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson. I'll be joined, I think, by my brother Weldon. Weldon, are you there? I'm here. I, I
1: knew about the New York Times piece i've read it but jim i didn't know it was front page of the magazine
0: i haven't heard that either so i'm not sure
2: oh it could be fake news by my part i, I just if the, the photos are so good yeah i figured it had to be on the cover
0: uh yeah phillips photos are getting a lot of praise and uh i think the magazine really liked them but uh yeah i'll take a cover i, I didn't not aware of that but i'm also not necessarily always aware of like release dates and i thought it was kind of funny to see three articles drop on the same day <laughs>
2: Yeah, we almost recorded this podcast last week. We could have been ahead of the game, but maybe it's good now because people will be Googling your name and they'll come across our podcast.
0: Yeah, it's been a, a bit of an overwhelming week in general.
2: Hopefully there's been time to train. So Jim, we're, we're two plus weeks out from your marathon debut. I think most people, when they're getting ready for their marathon debut, they're scared about the distance and hitting the wall. I imagine the distance is not your fear. What are your thoughts now just two weeks out?
0: Um, I Yeah, I think it just goes to... Focusing in on the, the visualization of how I'm going to predict how the race is going to go and really about just dialing in and hanging on to that pace and through the ebbs and flows of trying to crank up some of those hills because definitely late. And I think especially on the little uh, tail end that where you finish the last couple miles, you hit some really steep hills. Um, so kind of mentally trying to prepare to suffer for that
2: yeah now a, f- a few weeks ago we we emailed you as we have all of the hoka athletes that were profiling this month on letsrun.com dot com you know a standard q and a and one of the questions was what advice do you have for first time marathoners? and um I-, I loved your answer. you said,'d i love to like to know this answer, please. so <laughs> you are a first time marathoner. Where have you been getting your yourself coached to so Where have you been getting your training ideas from? I mean, I've read everything from you've been following the Norwegian plan of two workouts a day, and and I saw that one day you did six by mile in the morning and 12 by 400 in the afternoon. I read you're doing the Japanese high mileage, and I did notice on Strava you had back-to-back 175 mile weeks in December. Um, I've read you've been reading some books. (laughs) Are all of these true? Is it a little bit of everything?
0: Yeah, I I would say all of them are a, a touch true. I wouldn't say it's diving into any one specific training method fully, but um, if anything, it would probably be embracing more of a Japanese-style marathon training approach only because, um, especially with my ultra background, that kind of volume is what I feel I feed off of, and uh, I feel like they, they definitely do a lot of that. And then in addition, I've been able just to find more training logs of Japanese runners um, online compared to uh, East Africans aren't on the on online as much logging their training, so it, it's not quite as transparent from me at home. But yeah, I, I mean, I like the the marathon ideas that the Japanese guys have, so I, I would say that's probably been the biggest ethos that I've had.
2: Now, a lot of people on the Let's Run.com message board have been looking at your training on Strava and comparing it to different Japanese runners, including one of whom is Takayuki Inubushi, hopefully I got that name right, who was a 13.46, 28.26 guy on the track, which is kind of similar to what your track PRs are. Um, he ran 206.57 way back in 1999. So have you been replicating him? People are saying he did a lot of over-distance marathon races. And where in the hell do you find a guy's training log from 1999?
0: Yeah, so uh, I found his training log on BobHodges.com. Um, not sure how I stumbled upon that. But then there was also another Japanese guy um, that was uh, on BobHodges.com as well. And like Frank Shorter's on there. And I think like Steve Scott. But um, the, the, the runner you just mentioned um, is actually the guy that I put his training. Uh, I converted everything to miles because it makes a little... I, I can read stuff in case pretty... Competently, but it definitely clicks a little better when I see it in miles. And from his 206.57, I I worked it all the way backwards for the two months prior to that. And uh, yeah, I actually have, I could probably go grab them upstairs, but I have two training logs that are backdated from February 29th, and those are the two. One's mine and one's his.
2: It's appropriate, I guess, particularly appropriate since the Olympics will be, I was going to say in Tokyo, but the marathon will be in Sapporo, so...
1: Well, let me jump in did people figure that out on let's run Jim? or have you publicized that this is the guy's training log you've been looking at
0: um i've told uh just a couple people but it's leaked out from there i guess uh i i mean it's in the sports illustrated article uh that chris chavez um published and uh i got all of the the names and stuff specifically for for him when i was talking with him and uh kind of walking him through that stuff so as far as the sports illustrated article i kind of appreciate that 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 one's a little more from a running perspective where the new york times article is a bit more about my background how i got it back into running and it's trail running ultra running specifically and it's a more general article about me rather than nitty-gritty details and um I, i would say we could get into details more so on let's run than like uh, m- most media is out there. Yeah.
2: And actually, today on the message board, I saw a great video, I guess, that Outside Magazine made with Cliff Bar and Hoka from a few years ago.
0: Yeah.
2: Really love it. I will link to that in the show notes if you haven't seen that video. It kind of is a video presentation of a little bit running, but more of the backstory sort of of your life, which we talked about. If you like this podcast, go back, folks. I think it was May 18th last year or May 28th, 2019. Jim was also a featured guest on Let's Run. But In terms of if we're going to get the nitty-gritty of the training, I'm really curious, how does the training for the marathon compare to your standard ultra stuff? Or is there such a thing as standard ultra stuff? Because it can vary so much from a 50-mile race on the road to Western States, which is a 100-mile race. But when I was looking at Strava this afternoon, I realized – I mean, your mileage has been massive. Since the beginning of December, folks, this is what gyms run. 151 per miles per week. 151, 175, 176, 158, 151, 115, 125, 126, 126. So over a nine-week period, you've averaged 144 miles. Um, and I also saw in Strava, in the last year, I guess 2019, you ran... 4,950 miles. Jim, so close to the 5,000-mile barrier. Were you tempted to go out and run 50 miles on the final day of the year just to check that off?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think people brought it up to my attention and I saw it. Um, I I think it's arbitrary. If I really wanted it, maybe I would have fudged a fake run in there or something. But um, I have other goals and bigger goals than than running 5,000 miles in a year. Um, And I just need to stay on track for... I think I think at the time, specifically, to get start getting ready for the half marathon that I did in January.
2: The only reason why I mentioned that 4,950 is that it looks like for the calendar year before that, you were averaging less, just under less than 100 miles for the entire year. But this nine-week period, you've been averaging more than that, way more than that, almost 40% more than that. So I think most people would assume, hey, you're getting ready for a marathon, which is a shorter race for you than what you normally do. But have you actually upped the mileage from what you do for a normal ultra?
0: um technically i've upped the mileage but i've decreased the time training per week i would say so i'm actually out there training a lot longer for ultras but when when you're clipping a road like clipping away on a road or doing a workout at five to six minute pace um you're done a lot sooner as opposed to climbing at a 12 minute mile which can be harder than running a five minute mile but um yeah everything takes context
2: yeah, I guess it's hard for us non-ultra people to understand. Folks, last year when he ran those 4,950 miles, according to Strava, he had 724,000 feet in elevation gain. That's almost 2,000 feet of elevation gain every single day of the year.
0: And that that's not training for UTMB last year either. Um, UTMB, I'll, I'll do like, I, I think UTMB 2018 was my biggest block of training in my life ever. And uh, I think I did three weeks in a row over 50,000 feet each, uh, all up in the San Juans at high altitude. And I, I say that one definitely makes this block go a little easier when you, when you think about how hard that training block was. Th- things are getting tired some days here. And I think today was the closest I've had to a day off. Uh, just did a morning six mile run and, um, kind, kind of starting to back off now, but, uh, yeah, in general, some of the ultra training does put one marathon block in some perspective.
2: So, yeah, I saw actually on the log this week, I guess it was it yesterday or the day before, you, you you put just no wind to hold them, no wind to fold them. Yeah. Not today. So yeah. do, you're bringing down the mileage. How low will you go? And, you know, we've still got 16 days. Are you going to have any, any, any big workouts left? It looks like last week you did um, – or February 5th, yeah, which would have been just over a week ago, 20 by 1,000 with a minute rest from 259 down to 253. Um, Pretty impressive stuff. And then you ran your second – this looks like the second time you've done this in the last few months, 31 miles at 534 pace. So.
0: Yeah, so I thought the the 20 by 1K last week was just butter smooth, and it felt awesome. Um, Definitely took away a lot of confidence from that one. And uh, I think that workout actually um, is totally stolen from some of the East Africans, whether it's uh, the Robinson Brothers or Elliott Kipchoge. Um, I've seen both of those groups do 20 by a K. So I was kind of curious uh, to give that a go. I, I chickened out and didn't do it at altitude. Uh, for most of this training, I haven't been doing the leg speed stuff at altitude, more so because I think it's better for me to hit times and get those legs turning over rather than... Uh, be a couple seconds slower and worrying about the fitness. Um, for me, I think to see those splits in the two fifties um, is pretty important. Um, and then, yeah, the long runs, kind of my staple go to, whether it's ultras or I guess now marathons. Um, and uh, last week was kind of last weekend was no exception. I think uh, I, I think I'm paying that one back a little bit. That one was on a gravel single track trail. Um, with about 1900 feet of vert, um, throughout the 31 miles. Um, and I guess technically the, I signed up during for a race to do it, but it was just out there by myself.
2: Do you like to do two big hard sessions kind of back to back? Cause I think a few days before you did that last month, it looks like you did five by five K at basically 15, 15 base, right? Yeah. With a, what a four minute rest in between. Was that what it was?
0: Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And then I think I even had a four um, hundreds on Lake Mary two days after, or like, yeah, two days after that, and then two days after that I did uh, thirty one miles, um, and I did that one up at altitude.
2: So not to put pressure on you, Jim, but when you put five by five k on your Strava log, you put at marathon pace, and I did the math: fifteen fifteen is roughly two hundred eight high, two hundred nine flat pace. Is that right? Yeah. So. I mean, what kind of marathon shape do you, do you think you're in if you were on a flat course? Or do you have any idea?
0: Um, I, I actually think a flat course would be a little harder for me. Um, I, I think that pace becomes a bit squeezing. Um, so I'd like to think I'm around 210 shape right now, but, um, which, which if you told me a year ago, if, if you think you could get into two sh- 210 shape, like what would you say? And I, I'd be totally stoked, but, um, Yeah, I think things have gone much better than I could have hoped for so far. And um, yeah, for an ultra runner to even be saying that, uh, I think speaks volumes of how well the training block has gone.
2: Well, that's great, because the next question I was going to ask you, and I guess I'll still ask it, but you kind of answered it there was, are you... More confident now that we're almost done with the training block than you were at the start of the block. I mean, I was noticing you've done so many features. You actually had a feature in the Arizona Daily Sun by Sam McManus last month. And what you said to him then was, I'd say I'm not in contention for the top three. The goal more or less is to be competitive and try to hold my own. At the end of the day, I still have ultra running. I still have my day job. But then you paused and said, but you never know with a smile on your face. I bring something to this race, a toolbox, others don't. The race could turn out like, well... I'm the only one who brought this wrench. I could do that. You never know. And then just this week in Sports Illustrated, you said something similar, but it sounded a little bit more optimistic to me. There's definitely some workouts and some moments of light where I'm grinning and believing that I have a shot. It's a bigger process than just one day or one week. You have to go through it all and hope that things align on race day. It's a shot at the moon, an extremely small percent chance for me. But at the same time, there are good enough days that I'll have a piece of me that believes. So... Are you, are you more optimistic now than you were, say, two months ago?
0: Yeah, uh, definitely more now than two months ago. Um, I think how the half marathon went in January uh, felt really good. Um, I mean, I ended up getting beat by two Americans with Brian Schrader and Matt McDonald in that race, um, but I also beat several other really good Americans in that race, And um, but more or less how it felt, and especially – at a threshold pace rather than a marathon pace, uh, that's really positive from where my training's coming from. Um, And then, yeah, there's also humble pie things like from how many Americans ran under 62, 63 minutes on the exact same day in Houston to, uh, I mean, basically not having it when I went to go do uh, what was planned to be my biggest workout of the training block uh, just yesterday. But um, more or less right now is not, necessarily about squeezing out one more drop. It's more about, um, making sure you're going to show up on race day and throw down a really good run.
2: So you originally had your biggest workout plan for yesterday. What was that going to be?
0: Um, yeah, I think, uh, in retrospect, it it might've been, um, it could have cost maybe the race to pull it off. Um, but it was going to be eight by eight miles, um, at marathon pace, one mile at threshold rest, repeat. So two times through and I got about four miles into that and decided to, yeah, put on the Strava, uh, know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Um, part of it, I think, uh, doing my long run on a single track trail, um, with a bit of gravel on it, um, combined with a good workout and then kind of all the, the media buzz this week. Uh, yeah, it actually, uh, Kind of was feeling me. I was feeling a little uh, a drained during that workout and decided it, it wasn't a good day to push it.
2: Damn. So we're to blame.
1: Yeah. We, we, Jim, we can stop this podcast right now if, if we're yeah. going to ruin your chances because I, I guess I talked to you in May and I just love the fact when you were, you know, just a dream of it and you're like, hey, maybe I can make this team. And I'm like, yeah. yes, I like this. And He's alluded then, like, so much is unknown. You've never run the marathon. You've had this great success at the ultra marathon. You have these track credentials in college. And so it's like, it's like this guessing game. But to hear you say that, like, oh, stuff has gone better than expected as a running fan and just geek of the sport, that makes me excited. Um, But then I'm like, when I hear you say, oh, my God, my worst, my most important workout bombed yesterday. I give you credit. I think maybe – do you think some of your ultra running background makes you a little more chill? I mean – Yeah. Well, I never came close to figuring out the marathon, but I was like a 2806 10K guy, and I ran shit marathons. And the the one thing I would tell you is like you're a better runner than me across the board, short distance and long distance. So, yeah, 210 marathon, I think for sure you can do it. And other people are like, that's crazy. But I'm like, why? I don't see why not. But – if I had a bad workout two weeks, I can't believe we're two weeks out. From big picture now, I'm like, oh, the trials are still a ways off. But I would have freaked out if I had a blew my biggest workout. But you really pretty chill about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's where um, prior race experience, uh, having a lot of the success that I have had in, in my little niche of running, but uh, also not having necessarily the same pressure that everybody else has in this race, uh, I think gives me a better perspective and, and being self-coached for a few years now. Um, it's much more important to show up with the mojo on race day rather than, um, definitely in my college days, or if I was probably just a marathoner, I, I would have convinced myself that I needed to stick that workout out. Um, and I think it's just, a yeah, I'm, I'm a, a little older now and I would say that's a, more of a mature decision on my part rather than, just proven to myself in practice that I can do it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm okay putting that bet on race day instead of in a workout.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you didn't even make it a quarter of the way through, right? And you,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, I mean the, the long run last weekend was really good. Um, it was only five thirty four average pace, but I, I think, uh, I know, and people that have been on the trail definitely know that, um, there's some hidden stories about, uh, that, course kind of beating people up and um i i went faster than what i kind of put my governor on for my to do that race um i didn't want to go under 255 and i went 249 so i kind of broke my own rules and not really surprised that i feel it uh, a couple days later
1: and i applaud you for pulling the plug on the workout i mean this one story i heard from flagstaff this is Nobody used to train there, but Job's own Diecki, who used to have the 10K world record. Supposedly, one day he went down to Camp Verde to train. His wife was Australian and they were just doing quarters or something. It was it was like perfect weather or something. And Job said a few and just stopped. And she's like, What's going on? He's like, I just don't feel well today. And she did the workout and whatever. So then the next day they had to drive back down so he could do his workout that he missed. And supposedly, it was just like terrible, like windy, raining. And he just did the workout, and she's like, how was it? And he's like, perfect. And she goes, well, you couldn't hit your times. He's like, hit my times? I- I'm I'm doing what my body needs to do today, you know? Yeah. So I think it's
2: a sign of maturity. You, you said another really time. I think he was like seven seconds to rep off. It was incredible. I can't,
0: I, I, Less way off, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it, it also reminds me of a story in one of my running books about Ron Clark of basically just running himself into the ground before the Olympic finals, and um, basically ran an unofficial world record in the 5k and a workout the day before I think like a 10k final um, and basically uh, got third in the, the final that he should have won. So you talked about this
1: long run you did last week what prompted you to do it on the trails is it a, a more hilly course I think one thing that a lot of people aren't really have you seen the course in Atlanta like have you run it?
0: Yeah yeah so I saw the course back in November when they had the kind of I I guess they send an email out to invite runners to go out there and they they had like a police escort to go through all the traffic and stuff. Um, So I got to see the course. It's, yeah, kind of the takeaway was that it felt really flowy, um, not necessarily punchy with the hills. Um, And then everything's always up or always down.
1: Do you feel like that suits you coming from this ultra running background? Do you think the traditional marathoners are going to have a lot of trouble with it or...
0: I think everybody's been preparing for the same course I have for the last two months, just like I have. So, um, if someone's not prepared for it, it's, it's their own damn fault sort of thing. Uh, it, marathon or ultra runner. Um, everybody's seen the the course that they need to be ready for.
2: I can't get over how much I have. I, I Walden already praise you for stopping that workout. I want to praise you as well. My free training advice. For anyone listening to this podcast, I'll never forget. I coached 10 years at Cornell, but my first year of college coaching, In the spring, all I did was send this one kid home. He was a 1500 meter runner. Seemed like every big workout, he would do like the first 400. I'm like, God, you look terrible. Go home. He had a cold. And then at the last minute of the season, he was just running and we got about 700 meters into the 1500. I said, Oh my God, he's going to run 346. And I'm like, This guy's not even. I knew it was my first year of coaching. I'm like, He's not anywhere close to 346 shape, but he ran 346 just because he felt so good. The weather was good. He was, he brought, you know, you don't want to leave your race in practice. And I actually, I think that's what Weldon used to do in college. Was, he's, you know, he wrote a famous article on let's run. It's called why I sucked in college if you want to Google it. But basically he could run the workouts that all Americans did at his college, but that would wear him out so much. He had nothing left for the races. So the workout, isn't the
1: race, you know, the workout leads you to the race essentially and i mean one you're self-coach you know way more than me about what's going on whereas i would sort of just like follow what my coach told me and sort of i didn't i didn't have maturity i think since I sense from you
0: well i i definitely find uh the feedback loop that i've had with coaches um led me to overtraining a lot easier than self-coached actually because self-coached um it's just me so more or less i don't have many people to convince when a, a day is not going right so uh um, where with a coach, I kind of find more pressure to say everything's good, no problem. Let's keep cranking, and more or less, uh, I, I keep doing big workouts. And I, I've I've fallen apart before, and other other seasons though too, I've I've done well and held on all season and stuff. So, um, it, yeah. All right,
1: Jim. I think we've been getting caught up in the details of the training. One thing that I've loved is in some of these profiles that have come out is. You've got like a summer schedule set. You'll do, if, if you make the team, and uh, you know, you got to think like you're going to make the team. Comrades, marathon, ultra marathon, I'm not sure exactly how to call it. Yeah. Then the Olympics, then UTMB. I mean, it's just like this the, the stuff has never been done before. And I just, it would be so epic if you could make this. I just, I don't know. The, the, the dream
2: inspires us all. I don't, let me interrupt here. I don't think we can explain this well to the average person who's not a total running nerd. Maybe listening to this podcast. Basically, last year we determined there's a triple crown of ultra running. Right? It's Western states where you've already dominated twice. There's the Comrades Marathon on the road in South Africa, which is like a fifty-six mile race. Am I right yep. about
0: that? Or fifty-six miles and it's downhill. The next two years.
2: Okay, and then there is the UTMB, which is in the mountains of France. Right, and is. Over a hundred miles, correct?
0: Yeah. It's 105 miles with 33,000 feet of up and down.
2: So you, you have the ultimate, you've got all these different distances. You've got the different surfaces. We've called it the triple crown. Nobody has ever won all three. One of your big goals is to win all three. And you've said, Hey, no matter whether I make the Olympics or not, I'm going to do comrades. I'm going to do UTMB. So yeah, if you I, still, even if you make the Olympics,
0: um, yeah, if I made the Olympics, uh, it wouldn't change a thing about comrades. Um, It would probably uh, put UTMB on the back burner, Uh, but I've kind of said I'll I'll try to do a victory lap there of making the Olympics and running in Japan. But uh, I I don't think UTMB would be the year to to give it the best run for for trying to win it. So, uh, yeah, I guess I would challenge any marathoner uh, to double back for UTMB, and we'll see how it goes.
2: So that leads me to a question I had prepared, which is perfect for this timing right now. What do you view your strength as an ultra runner? I mean, the ultra scene, what we learned last year when we did this exploration of the ultra scene, it's so varied. There's so many distances, so many surfaces. You've got the mountains, you've got the trails, you've got the roads. But what do you think your strength is of those? Is there one area that you're stronger than than sort of, you know, one type of race that you're stronger at than the other?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, my, my downhill strength is really good. Uh, I think I'm one of the few Americans that can either hold their own or punish some of the European runners that just bomb the descents. Um, and a lot of Americans that go to Europe for the first time or, or abroad in general, cause, uh, Chinese runners are kind of known for bombing the descents a bit too. Um, they either, lose the race because they they were trying to climb too fast and didn't keep up on the descents or they're just so uh overwhelmed by watching these guys go downhill so fast they they weren't expecting at all um and i remember my first couple times racing in europe i I think i just took off downhill as fast as i could just thinking that everybody was going to catch me still um but kind of in retrospect little did i know um I, i actually put a few minutes on people usually Um, but then it's not just running a downhill once it's, uh, the repetition of running downhill after downhill, after downhill. And that's kind of where something like Western States or, um, hopefully comrades being a downhill year, uh, will really play to my strengths. I think, um, asphalt's another animal though. Uh, when you're talking about 56, 62 miles on asphalt, um, it's just brutal on your legs. So, uh, we'll we'll kind of see on that part, but as far as the vert in that race um, so yeah I guess in general um it goes to running a lot of vertical distance with with speed um, which is kind of might sound cliche or generic but uh yeah i I think it wins a lot of races at least
2: um you know in the past you said I think once to run World a couple of years ago, that ultra running doesn't take special talent. It takes motivation and the will to achieve something extraordinary. Um, and a lot of people are sp- sparked to get into the sport when they're in a low, low spot. Uh, do you still believe that? I mean, I feel like you definitely have a skill set. You just said it. I mean, Julie mentioned your college coach said you were always fantastic at running downhill. You've got to, it can't all be mental, can it?
0: Um, I, I'm definitely a firm believer that especially the longer the race, the better, answer you have to have for your why and why you're out there, why you're doing it, why you want to keep going, why you want to finish, why you want to run it fast. Um, and not only do you have to have a good answer for it, you have to hold to it all day long. Um, and because you'll, you'll keep getting asked that question. Um, so uh, there's a absolutely huge part of it that's mental. I, I would say ultra running's is more mental than shorter distances because talent can win a lot more so in in the track. But uh, in ultra running talents, a a little more mute, it's a tool, but it can also get you into trouble or um, it can get you into overconfidence.
2: So, you know, the talent is one of the big reasons why your story is so fascinating. I think historically, you know, it's not the very top talents on the track, have never really run the ultra scene, whereas you were a pretty big talent in the sense that you made the Foot Locker Nationals in high school, you were pretty darn good in college, and now you're just dominating the ultra scene. But then as a pro, you haven't really done the traditional running, and you're coming back down. So there's that mystery to it, which plays so well into the ultra scene because, as you told us last May, you said one of the beauties of the ultra scene is it's like even after the race is over, you debate, like, there's a story behind the race. And, like, yeah. you know, so the mystery of how you're going to do is even... It's just perfect, you know, I I think, but um, I I guess one of the questions I have sort of in in that sense is I I, I think you have a talent, and I think even if you put one of the best people in the world, like let's take Galen Rupp. I mean, he's won two Olympic medals. He's won a a 10,000 medal. He's won a marathon medal. He is a supreme talent. He's run 26, whatever it is, in the 10,000 meters. He's broken 13 minutes in the 5,000 meters. Uh, What? There's got to be some race in your background let's some race you've won or a world record you've set. What do you feel most confident in? Like we can put Galen Rupp in his tip top shape, the shape he's in on February 29th and the shape you're on February 29th. You know, we're going to race the marathon. So we're going to see who wins there, you know, but what race are you confident in? You know what, if we did this, whether it's rim to rim, the JFK 50 miler Western States, I would beat Galen Rupp on that day, even if he trained for it.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, JFK is probably a little too flat. He um, so so he's got an incredible engine, um, being under 27 minutes for 10k, um, and and his mile speed, especially for definitely being known as not a good kicker at several times in his career. um, He he's been able to get his leg speed going quite a bit, Um, but I I would say both the canyon and western states um, would be two areas where I'd like to hedge my bets and. Yeah, that that would be a lot more fun to race them at Western States than uh, than the marathon trials. Um, luckily, there's still a couple hills at the trials, and um, there's weird stuff that happen on any given day. Um, so I, I think there's going to be a big pack and a lot of people early. So um, you, you never really know what's going to happen. And if you're going to be finding your bottles between the 700 bottles that are out on the course, I think it's going to be a little more complicated than people give it credit for. Yeah,
1: have you have you gone through the race in your mind thinking how it's going to play out? I think sort of maybe even a year ago, if you asked people about the trials, they might have said, oh, there's a handful of contenders.
0: Oh, a year ago from right now, the scenario was so different. When when I decided to do the trials, I really felt like um, the U.S. marathoning was much more wide open. You still had Galen Ruppert, career hadn't run 207 uh scott Fauble, jared ward hadn't run 209 you didn't have 10 guys all run under 212 at chicago you didn't have 14 guys run under 62 minutes in houston like it is night and day different scenario um as an ultra runner definitely licking my chops a lot more a year ago than uh i mean so many guys have risen to the olympic occasion and and i mean good for us and good for the the u.s and and but at the same time again i i think i kind of alluded to it earlier if you told me a year ago if i'd be at the fitness and the leg speed i'm at right now um i i'd be more than happy but right now i'm i am more than happy but i know it's still going to be an absolute dogfight so uh it, yeah, it's it's kind of exciting and fun, and I think it's one of the most exciting Olympic trials marathons we've had in a while.
2: Yeah, it's pretty fascinating because you were kind of—I think the New York Times kind of dinged you. Or I guess it was Scott Fable, it says, You snuck in with a 64-minute half marathon. To those who don't, people don't know, he just ran a 62:15 half marathon in Phoenix. Now it was found out to be 285 yards short, which is about 50 seconds. So it's basically 63 low. Yeah. So you've, despite all that mileage, you've chopped a minute off your half marathon time. That's the good news. The bad news is it seems like everybody's running. Now, one of the reasons why people are running faster is there is some new shoe, shoe technology out there. You actually set a 50-mile world record in, in a new Hoka shoe last spring. Um, and I, I was fascinated. I was reading the New York Times comments to your article today, and several people were like, well, he would make the team, but he doesn't have the super shoes. Uh, does, do you worry about that? Might Hoka let you wear their shoes and just cover over cover over the Vaporfly brand? What is your thought on this shoe price, on this whole shoe thing?
0: No, I'm not too worried about that. That's, uh, for one, um, yeah, I'm with Hoka through and through, and I'm not covering up anything. It's going to be a Hoka shoe. Um, The other side of it is uh, we have a really great inline product uh, with a Hoka shoe that um, has been in a few photos online, but um, we we have a really great shoe right now, and it's going to be extremely competitive. So this is like a secret unreleased shoe? Is that what you're saying? Um, it's, it meets all the guidelines. So uh, I'm not sure on the exact timeline of everything. But uh, yeah, it, it's an a inline product new shoe.
1: That means you'll be wearing it?
0: Yep. Oh, yes. Thank you. I uh, heard rumors yeah, yeah. of this Th- things shoe. Things and- are going really great, and I love the shoe. and um, More than anything, it's just been extremely comfortable. Um, oh, this is great. Yeah. Because I, I want a level playing field and I don't want someone winning
1: because someone has a shoe that they don't have. It'd be kind of ironic if your shoe was better than everybody else,
0: but hey, yeah. th- to me at this point that'd be fair play. I I, I would love it if it's uh, a 20% <laughs> shoe at this point. I I think uh that there was already a fix on the the World Athletic rules which is uh a little bullshit politically, but um that's okay cuz I think is stepping up to the answer and uh it, it's going to be exciting and uh Myself, Scott Oble, Scott Smith, Sid Vaughn, uh, Kellen Taylor, um, Ali. Were, yeah, we're we're gonna be well equipped.
1: Oh, thank you. This makes me feel good. So, a couple of things. One, you said there might be a little fix in with the rules. Are you speculating? What have you heard about that? Do you think it, the rules were designed to sort of protect Nike's advantage, like, or are you just sort of venting as a frustrated athlete?
0: I, uh, I, I just I think it was a little obvious that. Um, there there was like some collusion with it um, yeah I, I mean it's not ironic that they released their shoe that was in regulations the next day uh, and that World Athletics made it that but you, you know um, yeah Hoka shoes within regulations so um, it's really not a big deal at the end of the day and come February 29th I think uh Hoka shoe takes advantage of all of it as well
1: and when the rules came out did you were you under the assumption like us that this what's it called the alpha fly the la kipchoge shoe would be banned
0: and then it came out like you said like a day later yeah. that it actually wasn't Well, i mean the biggest thing is just that nike announced it like literally the day after so it's just like uh, all right um as far as the exact details of it, I, I have no idea. Um, yeah.
2: It's very very convenient that the head of the IAAF, or World Athletics, also used to be a paid Nike brand ambassador. So that's kind of...
0: Well, they, they sponsor a lot of good runners in the sport. I know. It's easy to come up with
2: conspiracy theories. I do want to... Jim's praising Hoka. I also want to praise Hoka. They've been sponsoring the our take on the marathon trials all month long. And it's really been fantastic. I mean, there's so many great stories. I mean, Jim alluded to it. There's 700 people in Olympic trials this year. There's quite a lot. So there's so many amazing stories. It's like, let's run, like, which ones do we want to focus on? And when someone says, hey, why don't you pay us a little bit? Someone's going to pay us to focus on these stories. And we found some really cool stories. I mean, not only you, Jim, we've got um, Swanjet Boyle, a guy that was cut from his college team twice and is now running fantastic. We've got a cancer researcher. who she. Does cancer research during the day and qualifies for the trials at night. So a lot of cool stories there. So go to the let homepage. You can see the banner up top. Hoka One One takes on the marathon trials. Weldon, back to the shoes though. Yeah. People think
1: we're in like cahoots with Hoka. They pretty much just say, hey, sponsor. We kind of outline what we're going to do and profile the people. But then after that, they don't say anything. I knew nothing about this shoe. About maybe a month ago, I got something from Hoka PR people saying, hey, can you take down this picture of this shoe. And we sort of looked at it and we're like, well people are talking about it. We get requests from lawyers about a couple times a year from shoe designers. Pat, and we're like, well why should we take this down? So that's all I knew about the shoe. I assumed it wasn't going to be here for the trials. Ugh, this is great. In some ways I think this, this ultimately I went running to be about who's the best athlete. But for now the shoe thing gives us so much stuff to talk about <laughs> as a j- journalist or media entity it, it's a little more entertaining but the olympic trials are so great on their own they don't need anything to make them greater so i'm really looking forward to them and i can't believe it two weeks away That means I mean, got to buy, buy my buy my plane ticket
0: i think i've seen stuff that sock and and brooks and um other companies are going to be having their shoe there so it doesn't seem like too many of the, the world athletics rules are impending too much on most companies from my understanding.
2: Now, Jim, hopefully you no know, Hoka executives are listening to this because when I started my research last, I think on Thursday or Friday to, you know, I wanted to get up to date on your stats and stuff. I was like, what's Jim been up to? And then I realized, oh my God, Hoka doesn't need to be paying us. Jim's getting, generating so much free publicity on the website. I just went to the message board and typed in your name and this was like all in the previous, like seven to 10 days. Walmsley greater than Kipchoge. Jim Walmsley insane workout, 20 by 1K. Frigerator. These are all different message board threads. Inside the diet of ultra marathon or Jim Walmsley. By the way, folks, he loves pizza. He eats it like five or six times a week. Yep. Another thread. Why do so many people think that Walmsley will make it to the Olympics? Another prediction. Another person has a very specific prediction. Jim Walmsley will run 213.27 at the Olympic trials marathon. Walmsley, I'd say I'm not in contention for the top three. And then there's other ones now, like, Jim Walmsley is popular, get over it. Um, Jim Walmsley gets a New York Times feature. It's amazing. Like When I first saw a couple of these threads, I'm like, does he really have this many fanboys? And I thought, well, maybe it's like the same people, you know, writing over and over and over. But I can look at the IP addresses, the average visitor can't do that. I'm like, no, these are all completely different IP addresses. And actually we've, I don't know if it's
0: the same person. (laughs) And then
2: I went on to Strava. You've got like 50,000 people following your training log on Strava or something insane. Yeah. So.
0: And it's crazy.
2: These are real fans. Yeah. This is not.
0: (laughs) I I mean, I remember five years ago at this point, um, starting logging on Strava basically with like 30 followers. And it's just been uh, an absolutely insane like growth. Yeah. It's kind of odd.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy because with the threads, I'm usually pretty good now at detecting bullshit on Let's Run, but I kept seeing so many threads. I'm like, I wonder if he's got people posting stuff. But th- the language seemed legitimate to me, and I looked. at I did the same thing Robert did. I'm like, Ch- kind of check some IP addresses, and I'm like, yeah, these are all legitimate. So kudos for inspiring people and making them interested. Yeah. yeah, Back to the shoe. Does it have a name? Have you been training in it? I'm assuming the first time you're aware it's not gonna be, you know, at the at the know.
0: uh, I think right now I'm just calling it the trials dagger. It's gonna be our, our secret weapon, so I don't know.
2: Well it's better to leave mystery about it, well then. (laughs) <laughs> the Hoka, twenty one percent.
0: Yeah, I, I think it like with that and just with sponsoring LetsRun I think you're just seeing really innovation, not only in the shoe but also ways of marketing that uh, Hoka is going about and kind of speaks to their their urge to to stay at the forefront of the sport.
2: When did you first get your sponsorship with them?
0: Uh, back in two thousand and sixteen, after uh, my wrong turn at Western States.
2: I was gonna say, has anyone had a better? Last four years than you. You were an unsponsored runner, just dreaming of getting a contract of any kind, so you could continue the dream. Here you are, four years later. Not only are you sponsored, you've got a cover story coming up. Or, oh, I'm claiming it's a cover story. Maybe it's not. But you're going to be featured in
0: the Sunday New York Times Magazine. So it, it will be in print. I, I think I know that much. But yeah, I think it just goes to doing my own thing and kind of doing things that inspire me and not being afraid to to do what I love, but also do things differently. Um, and I would say that this marathon trials is such a great example and such a great year of how many talented guys there are in the U S um, that don't always get credit or don't always get the sponsorships. And it just goes to like, well, you know, try to do something different. Um, you you don't necessarily need to do what someone else is doing. Um, you, you can find your own path. So, um, yeah, I think there's just tons of talent in the U S um, not all the talent can run on the trails, but um, some of it can.
2: Well, I think it helps if, you're do, if you are really, really good at what you do, like you are. Plus, I think what is appealing about you is I think a lot of runners, they say what other people think they should say. And you, to me, say, you tell the truth. And it's like the first time you're showing up at Western States, do you want to finish? No, I want to win this set a course record. And then you didn't quite do that. You've made a wrong turn at the 93 mile mark, but that made you kind of a legend. And then it's like, well, I want to make the Olympic marathon team. People are like, are you crazy? And you're like, no, I want to do it. And then you're also not afraid, you know, to share your personal struggles, which I think is really, um, you know, inspiring to a lot of people too. So it's just, you know, really interesting. I'm curious though about these trials. I mean, I I've read where you've talked about it before, but growing up as a runner in high school, was the Olympics the goal? I mean, I think a lot of people, that's what they hear about. The Olympics is the ultimate in the sport. Is that what drew you back? Was that like a really cool thing in high school?
0: I I would say in college, it became more, uh, within a foresight. I think in high school, one of my big regrets is not having enough foresight into, um, looking in the next stages of where you want to take your running career. I, I don't think I had a concept of what college guys were running or what professionals were running. Um, I think I would see the Olympics every four years, but, uh, in high school, I definitely lacked the, the big picture to, to dream a lot bigger. Um, in college is kind of when you start getting introduced to people from all over the country, you start competing against these guys that just start blowing the doors off of you as a freshman. Um, and for some of us, uh, it happens all four years while we're in college. Um, But uh, it definitely makes you hungry and makes you dream bigger and um, readjust your goals and make it bigger. And I think like there was even two years um, that overlapped with Jenny Simpson, and it it doesn't really get bigger than uh, some of the goals she's accomplished in the sport.
2: Now, it sounds like things are going well. You're confident. Training's been going good. Running PRs in the half marathon, mega mileage. I mean, I would be confident too. But are you worried at all? I mean, you said that, you know, you, you want to challenge the status quo for how we are stereotyped as ultra runners, but you know, on February 29th, we're going to know where you stand. Let's say it doesn't go well. Are you afraid that it's going to ding the, the sort of legitimacy of ultra running at all?
0: No, I think, uh, it's been a really, um, I, I would say it's already a success off of that. I think, the quality of workouts that I've gotten in and dropping my half marathon down on mostly mileage. Um, it, it's been a really big positive already. I, I don't think I, or I guess one of my takeaways through this is I can see how people continue to build marathon block after marathon block after marathon block. Um, but, uh, um, no, I, I think there's already so many positives to take away from this block and just the fact that, um, I, I feel like I'm, I've am i legitimately put in the training and the work to, to contend up front. I think, uh, yeah, I feel pretty confident with that.
2: Now, is there any type of, like, weather you would like? Like, do you like it really hot? Do you like it really cold? Do you not care?
0: Uh, I'd prefer it to be really hot, but I don't think we're going to get that in February, even at a noon start. Um, I think max temperatures, maybe we could get 70 degrees and... Maybe humid, but probably not if it's that hot. So um, for the most part, I think Atlanta, the organize, the organizers have done a really good and really smart job about choosing the start time. I think it mitigates poss- like potential really cold temperatures or potentially ice that could happen in the morning. Um, worst case scenario, I think you're going to get 70, 75 degrees, um, but more than likely. Um, it looks like maybe around 60 and rainy.
2: Well, 60 is running is hot for most runners, maybe not for ultra runners, but it's a little hot.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no. I think um, that the more problems and the more um, complexity you can add to the marathon, I think it, it'll definitely favor me because that's what ultra running is about. It's about just figuring out how you're going to solve this problem, and it's just inevitable that more problems pop up. So whether it's um, missing nutrition on the course to overheating to figuring out the right pace from just the very beginning to um, Dealing with falling a little bit or something. There's all sorts of problems that I've gone through hundreds of times in the last couple of years just in ultra running. Um, kind of one of the sayings you say about Western states is it's like living a whole life in a day. So, um, and it just speaks to how many, uh, how much problem solving you're doing all day.
2: And what what type of race do you want? I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, he crushes it from the beginning at Western states. He's going to lead this thing early. And I'm like, well, the marathon's kind of a fast pace for him. He might. Yeah the slower it goes, it's a longer race. It takes longer. So do you have a, do you want, I mean, I guess a marathon ultimately, no such thing really as a tactical marathon, but do you, have you thought about that at all?
0: Um Yeah, I'm definitely trying to go through some of the scenarios. I, I think I don't want to try to go through in a half marathon PR and I I also don't want to make it a one mile kick. So um, something in between, I guess.
2: Which do you think is more likely? that? I'm gonna give you three scenarios of races that you things you have not done. You win Comrades, the 56 mile race in South Africa. You win UTMB, or you make the U.S. Olympic marathon team. Rank those three and and most likely to least likely.
0: Most likely to least likely. Um, it, it's been a couple year process to to try to set up Comrades, um, going back probably year and a half, two years. Um, so I've been trying to line up that shot first because I feel like. From my uh, background of running, currently um, the marathon trials kind of had to happen to kickstart the proper training for comrades. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think statistically, uh, I'm probably more likely. So I, I don't know. So South Africa's—it's also like this crazy, amazing, good ultra-running niche of the world that doesn't compete globally too much. So it's very hard, and and also on the trails and definitely trail ultras have become, I would say the limelight of the sport rather than road ultras. So, um, it's, it's really hard to compare, uh, South African runners globally. Uh, um, 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 hope that I'm lining up the right shot at comrades. Um, and then I think given my background, probably UTMB is more likely than the trials. Uh, I think the trials is definitely the long shot and the most out of my niche. And, um, it's definitely taken the most specific work, but uh, th- things have come come along really well. So we'll take all three. <laughs> yeah, we got them all on the schedule this better. year, so uh, who knows?
2: And folks, after close to an hour of talking to Jim, if you still don't understand why this guy has become a legend, I'm going to read a post that I just found on the famous Let's Run.com message board. If you're not a Let's Run.com regular visitor, folks, we have a famous forum. You go to Let's Run.com slash forum. It's like the sports radio for distance running fans. You can go there and talk about running. But this is from Kudzu Runner. He just posted this literally like an hour or two before we recorded this. And they're talking about why you're so popular. Maybe they're talking about Sunday Times. I'm not sure which thread it was in. I'm no Wyatt Walmsley fanboy, but I will admit that the New York Times article completely captivated me. And it's not hard to figure out why. So here he is, Jim. He's going to explain why you're popular. At 61 years of age now, I came into running in the late 1970s when Frank Shorter and Bill Rogers were dominant and when Alberto Salazar was completely untested as a marathoner. He would soon do epic things. And I hungered for some wildness, some edge, something other than the the thoroughgoing professionalization to remain part of a competitive distance running. I am a nerd. I love data. I love reading about training methods, but I'll always have a soft spot for the self-trained off in the woods, wild man. Once a Runner, the book, perfectly expressed that particular idea, the long solo woodshed followed by the transcendent, highly public performance. I drove from Oxford to Birmingham, Alabama back in January of 2004 to watch the Olympic marathon trials there, and I remember the electricity that went through all of us as Brian Sell blew into town, leading the favorites. Yes, he ended up being caught, but for one moment, he gave us that magic. If you've been in the presence of that magic, you don't forget it. Walmsley's presence in this race, especially as evoked in the New York Times article, offers us the possibility of that once a a runner sort of moment once again. Sure, it's a long shot, but I'll be watching. I mean, Jim, that gives me tingles up my spine as I'm reading it. Does that inspire you as you read it?
0: Yeah, it motivates me. to. um, I think with all of this, I've gotten so much support. Um, It feels like I'm a bit in the limelight, but it also feels like I'm representing a, a... a big voice in the sport that wants that underdog story. And uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully I can bring it together on the race day.
2: Yeah. As as journalists, we're not supposed to be rooting, but Hey, I'm not actually going to be in Atlanta, so I'll be rooting for you from afar. And I think Walton said he will violate the journalistic code. If if you're kicking down for that third spot.
0: Yeah. I want to avoid the kick, but um, who knows? Uh, Sometimes strength wins in a kick. So uh, maybe I will have a kick.
1: Yeah, you're, you're a distance running, fixing an auto. I hate it when they say, oh, he's got better 800-meter speed. He'll outkick him. No, no, no. It's all about strength. It's all about-
0: In a marathon, I, I think so. I think uh, people will lose a lot of kick in this race. But uh, I might start my kick from a little further out. Not not 800. I've never had confidence in 800. It's my least favorite. But uh, it's not an 800 when you've done, um, what is it, 25-point? Well, five, but we can round up 25.7. There we go.
2: Yeah. Well, Jim, thanks a lot for your time. And thanks a lot for sharing your dream with so many people. I mean, I think a lot of people are inspired by it. And um, as Kutsu Runner hopes, hopefully you give us a magical moment on February 29th. And regardless of what happens, I I hope that you've enjoyed the process and, and enjoyed Casino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW group void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.